Welcome to the Morning Huddle, where business, healthcare, and lifestyle meet. This platform is designed to educate and equip business-minded training healthcare professionals to become the leaders in an evolving healthcare landscape. We are your hosts, Dr. Jermaine Fetty and student Dr. Kamal Smith. Today's episode will be a collaboration with the Bridge Dental Podcast, featuring Steve Kuza, financial advisor, and our very own Dr. Jermaine Fetty. Dr. Fetty discusses his journey to dentistry, principles of entrepreneurship, the power of partnerships, and much more. Good morning and hello and happy Friday. I hope everyone's doing great. I'm Steve Kuza, your resident financial advisor for Dentist. And today I got a special guest, super excited. Ladies and gentlemen, he even joined us from Vegas, 7 a.m. over there. Um, how are you doing, Dr. Ifedi? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just blessed to be alive. Um, just out here trying to enjoy the NFL draft. Um, I hope everybody uh, that drafted for your particular team, that the draft gods were kind to your team. Um, <laughs> you know, my Carolina Panthers, we had one draft pick in, a, in the first, what, three rounds. So hopefully it works out. But otherwise, for me, uh, life is good. Really enjoying it. Trying to, trying to relax my neck and back for the next few days. Yes, for sure. For sure. Take it easy. Take some time. And only if you're a Detroit Lions fan like myself, well, you know, it is what it is. That's why we say such is life in the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're super excited to have you today. Um, you got an awesome, awesome story to tell. So I, honestly, I just want to get right to it. And I'm sure you got some good Vegas stories to tell, but we're going to dive into dentistry today. Um, and Dr. Fetty, I, I want you to give the Bridge Dental Podcast listeners a scope of where you're at today, man, because you're involved in so many things, so many great things you're doing, not just in dentistry, but in the world of dentistry and beyond. So I'd love for you just to give, uh, you know, an idea of what you're doing. So a little bit of background on me, uh, graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, Carolina Dentist, uh, back in 2021, May. Um, so almost about a year now. Um, since I've graduated, I started up my PLLC, Professional Limited Liability Company, um, to be able to do a lot of my contracting work, which is also known as locum tenums for a lot of people wanting for more short-term uh, contracts. And since then, I've been working all throughout the state of North Carolina as a traveling dentist. Um, I've probably worked in that year I've been out, I've probably worked in a good 20 to 30 different cities. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a good time being able to see a lot of different uh, practices, a lot of different practice types, a lot of different practice owners, a lot of different uh, long-term associates, and really learn a lot about dentistry in this first year. Really consider this my my business residency of sorts. Yeah, uh, I really weighed: do I want to do a traditional residency, or AGD, or do I want to come out this first year and uh, do what I like to call a business residency? Be able to see a lot of different practice types and really learn from a lot of great practitioners in dentistry. So you. You graduated and almost had this gap year, right? The, the gap year is like when I leave high school, I don't want to go to college or anything. Let me go out and explore the world. But you're exploring the world of dentistry and all these different practices. Any, anything so far, you, you've, you don't have to call out anybody, but anybody, any, any processes that you really love to see or practices that you, you really have a great theme on or anything really you don't like? Honestly, the first practice that I saw up close was one of my, my mentors, Anthony Morabell. Uh, amazing guy. He's the first person who really taught me systemization within dentistry. So going to his practice really set the tone. Um, he had checklists for his hygienists, for his assistants. End of day. Um, I know a lot of us 
see checklists, but he actually has them that they have to initial off before they leave at the end of the day. And it just creates that co-accountability between management and his actual staff that they're in this together. And before we leave, we have to make sure we're ready for the next day and make sure we can wrap up the previous day. So just seeing small stuff like that, that everything um, that was needed for a day's work was already in the operatory. No one had to leave the operatory to go get anything. Um, from everything from the start to finish was easily available and everybody in the office knew where it was. I, I went into different practices seeing that one first, which kind of okay. made things hard <laughs> because going to see other practices in so many different uh, set settings really was completely different. Um, we ranged from one solo doc that had maybe three other staff members to full blown practices with four or five other docs and staffs of upwards of 20. Um, so, so to see the wide ranges of different kind of staffs and different um, settings within dentistry really created this dichotomy between um, great systemization and not so great systemization. But one thing I will say is the common denominator amongst them all is the fact that I believe the people who work in dentistry that I've personally come in contact really care about their patients. Yeah, absolutely. I can appreciate that. And, and so, yeah, you went into the next office like, hey, guys, where's the checklist? <laughs> you know, they said, what? What checklist? Yes. Well, and that's the beauty of dentistry because, you know, you're an entrepreneur and especially everything I've, I've learned about you, you're an entrepreneur who happens to be in dentistry, it seems, you know, it, it's an opportunity for you. And what you notice in, in seeing these other practices is they, there's many different ways to run it, right? Many, many, many different ways to do it. Um, well, we'll take us back a little bit. So you're not originally from the States. You know, right. So tell, tell us a little about where you're from and how did you end up here? Tell us a little about that journey. All right. So um, we all hail from amazing country called Nigeria uh, over in West Africa. And I was born here in the States. OK, so my parents wanted me to have the ability to become president one day. So they yeah, there you go. I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever use that ability, but um, they wanted to make sure at least I had a chance. Um, so my parents are both born and raised. Um, in Nigeria, and they came over for their education for college. And after that, um, they settled down, had a family here. My father uh, went to NC Central, is what we call here in, in the States. And once he became educated and was looking for a wife, he went back, um, met my mother, found my mother, brought over to the States. They started a family back in the 1980s. Um, after they got married, then I was the second of their four sons. Um, and then We've just been enjoying life ever since. We settled down in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I was born and raised at. I spent my first 18 years on earth in Charlotte. Then from there, uh, went to East Carolina University for undergrad studies, I studied healthcare administration. I really wanted to get a good grasp on healthcare and understanding from all different aspects, not just dentistry, um, not just from the business side of things, but really understand how they all co-mingled together to create this beautiful orchestra known as healthcare. Um, from that point, I went on to my master's program in business administration. Wanted to really double down and really understand the leadership aspect of healthcare and really understand how I could implement a lot of these big time strategies used in hospitals within dentistry. So then move forward to dental school and here we are today. Well, and I'm sure your parents are very proud of where you're at and all the things you got going on, but you, you've actually, you were going to be an OBGYN is what you were saying before. And, and so tell us a little about what, what transitioned that. So why did, why did you want to go down that path? What, what led you over to dentistry? So for me personally, I've always either wanted to create babies or create smiles <laughs> and I wanted to help people do one or the other. 
Um, but for the longest, it, it was more on the medicine side of things. And it wasn't until, honestly, when I got to college and started meeting, um, I actually went to East Carolina, like I said, and East Carolina School of Dentistry started, I believe, the year I got there or the year before I got there. So the first class was going through school as I was going through undergrad. So we had a very interesting time to be able to meet with them. And East Carolina also has a medical school. So it was able to meet with a lot of different residents from the medical side, as well as a lot of dental school students on that side. And as I was talking to them, I used to always ask like, what do you like about it? Because me personally, I like, to, I like to think that whatever the highest level of whatever particular field you are, is that what you strive to be? Because if not, why are you in this particular field, right? Because let's say if the ceiling is, it tops out at an earning income that you're not very satisfied with, or at the top level, you're not able to affect change in a way that you want to affect change, then you might be in the wrong industry. Yeah. So as I went higher within medicine, I'm, I'm asking different layers up to the, honestly, we have a, a whole hospital system called Vitant in Greenville, North Carolina, where East Carolina is housed. And I asked them like, do you feel like you can affect change the way you want to affect change? And the vice president said, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, who are the ones that really run, you know, hospitals? Who are the ones that really run this thing? And he said, we do. I said, who, who, who is we? He said, the MBAs of the world. We, we, we run the hospitals. And I, that, that was just a culture shock to me, thinking that the fact that treatment is being delegated to me at the time. Mm -hmm. knows absolutely nothing about the clinical side of healthcare. Um, so from that side, that it, it just it just really limited what I thought was the upward mobility within medicine. It just felt like there was a lot of handcuffing. The higher you go, and the more that you want to affect change. Um, I have and had dreams of starting my own hospital one day, mm -hmm. and that is still possible. It'll probably be just from a different aspect within healthcare. So once I learned more about dentistry and learned the fact that that these different practitioners have the ability to own their own practices, to be able to grow their practices in size and scale, and to be able to become great dental educators. I said, this is what's aligning with my inner core, my inner entrepreneur, my inner educator. And I said, I don't know if I, but the more I hear, the more I'm liking. These guys are bringing me over to the dark side. Um, talked to my mother about it. She was like, I prefer medicine, but honestly, all I ask is that you give them both a shot. Mm. So. Believe it or not, I took the MCAT and I took the DAT. I took both interest exams. Wow. MCAT was one of the worst experiences I've ever taken. It was a, it felt like I was taking boards for dental school. Oh my gosh. It was seven and a half hours, a full day. It was a full day of exams. <laughs> it felt like work. I felt like I was working. So I studied for it for two summers, studied for that thing, took that. Um, and then shortly thereafter, took a DAT. And taking DAT from the MCAT is like, you have too much information. I got gotcha. you at that point. So now you got to figure out how can I use this information for the DAT? So, and then I, I, I talked to the Lord because I'm, I'm very faith-based. Um, and I asked him, you know, whichever one I get a higher score, that's where you're telling me you want me to go. I saw the MCAT score and then I saw that DAT score as I'm going to be a dentist one day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Um, man, that, that is, there's a lot to unpack there. And, but I, and I want to actually go back to um, there's a common theme I'm seeing with you is you're open to you seem to be um, I like the statement radically open minded. You seem to be open minded to different opinions, different perspectives, uh, different ideas, and then using what you've learned to say, all right, well, how does that make sense in my life? 
you know, yeah. so that, that was their experience. That was their experience. All right. Now, how does that information help me? And it seems like you're actually doing that right now mm-hmm. in this one year business residency that you got going. Very on. sharp. You know, very, very, very sure. <laughs> so, and what, but it, have you started to formulate a vision of where, where it might go for you, Doc? Do you think you kind of are starting to put together like, all right, this is now starting to build this path of I'm going to do this, or you still feel like you want to research more? That's a good question. I mean, I would say coming out of dental school, I wanted to move straight into practice ownership. That's something mm-hmm. I was definitely, definitely interested in. I remember talking to my mother, who was one of my great counselors in my life. And she, she told me, you know, um, she's a nurse practitioner herself. Um, she was a nurse our entire life and then became a nurse practitioner after we went to college. I said, Ma, you couldn't do this earlier in life. <laughs> but, you know, beggars aren't choosers. So um, <laughs> she told me that you probably want to get a little bit of experience underneath your belt before you go open it up because you just have a different perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type that I like to take advice because if it ever backfires, people can always say, you know, I told you so. So I took that advice, took this year. Um, and I will say my my thought process about practice ownership has shifted. I wouldn't say changed, but it's shifted in some ways. And I've seen a lot of limitations that occur with owning one or two or four or five practices. Right. Um, and not from, uh, from an individual perspective, because I think people still do amazing things within communities and be able to impact communities in great ways. But when I look at how can healthcare and dentistry really meet, it feels like it's going to have to happen at a higher level to really impact and affect change. Um, and that's, that's really confusing in ways just because dentistry tends to be a lot more segmented than healthcare. Correct. Yeah. Healthcare has been consolidated, you know, whatever city or area you go to, you know, they have the healthcare system within dentistry. You can go up a block, you can see 10 different dentists, you know, you can see a few periodontists, a few endodontists. It's just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And that's the beauty of the entrepreneurial spirit that's within dentistry. But then again, it leaves a lot of basic barriers when it comes to communication between practitioners. I don't know what that looks like or how we can get to the ultimate destination of integration within uh, different offices, Um, but I'm still searching for that. Um, Practice ownership is definitely something I'm I'm definitely 100% still interested in. Um, I just wanna figure out how can we do it a little bit different than the traditional sense of graduating, opening up a practice and hanging up your shingle, you know? Yeah. Well, and what you mentioned is interesting because um, you say medicine and then you say dentistry and now they're becoming one, right? It's not just cleaning your teeth anymore. I mean, th- this is like, you know, the dentistry is the, the first barrier <laughs> to figuring out, you know, the oral health is the, is the first barrier to, you know, figuring out potentially other issues in the body, right? And, but to your point, if the communication is segmented, how are we ever going to get healthcare and dentistry to combine? So you're right. There's got to be something bigger there. And we'll probably need another podcast to solve that. But (laughs) Um, so you talked about uh, one of the things you mentioned to me was um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurism is in the blood of of your tribe from where your family's from. So tell me what that means. Walk me through that because you know, I'm not familiar uh, with that, uh, you know, your tribe in, tri- uh, in Nigeria. And so just help me understand that. Is that you guys are just go-getters? Like, what does that mean when it's in the blood? Tell me a little bit about that. It's a good question. So um, back in Africa, back in the colonial times, it was split up and segmented amongst the, the different empires back then. And whatever somebody wanted, they just carved up and they all split it up and said, you know, this is for you, Portugal. This is for you, Spain. This is for you, England. And everybody took their chips and went home happy. Um, and Nigeria 
is a byproduct of that splitting. Um, it, it, all the splitting was done without a respect to different tribes and cultures. So in Nigeria alone, we have over 250 dialects. Oh, wow. We have three main tribes, which is Igbo, Alsa, and Yoruba. I hail from the Igbo tribe. And all the tribes are, are very good at what they do. And the different tribes are known for different things. The, uh, the Alsas are the ones who usually run the country back home. So they, they, they tend not to leave Nigeria. Um, Igbo and Yoruba are the ones that tend to travel outside the country. Um, with Yoruba being more into the education side of things, they get highly, highly educated. Um, and then the Igbos, uh, we get highly educated as well. Um, but we tend to have a, a entrepreneurial feel to different things. Uh, very big on ownership and really taking responsibility for the fate of your future. Um, okay. So even from a young age, seeing my mother and my father working their respective jobs, but also um, being able to come together and open up their own uh healthcare company was very interesting to me that even though they didn't really have much, they, they really saw um, the value and the importance of being able to, to put together and be able to own a little piece of something. Um, so being able to see that over time and see the evolution of their company and to see how they've grown from being in the back of our house um, back in the early years to having a full-blown office and a full-blown staff um, is very inspirational to me. And it really uh, highlights the importance of it. And I believe that when we come to entrepreneurism, it, it has to be spoken about. It's, it's really tough for you not to hear anything about it for 30 years and then wake up to the, the spirit of entrepreneurism and think that you're just, it's just gonna click. Because right now, entrepreneurism is being glorified as in you know, the great move and people are being celebrated for it. But growing up, it was, it was looked at as very risky actually. Yeah. You know, to really step out on your own, to, to do your own thing. Um, so I, I know it comes with a lot of, you know, ever since COVID and a little bit before COVID, now it's like, oh, yeah, be your own boss. But in reality, being an entrepreneur in its truest sense is not really to be your own boss. It's really just to have your own system. And being an entrepreneur comes with, this, with a spirit of servant to do, all right? Because right. you have to have your, your staff that you have to serve. You have your patients you have to serve or whatever your clientele is you have to serve. And the better you serve both your staff and you serve your clientele, the better you would technically be as an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, it gets mixed up in ways, current day of what entrepreneur is. It's more of do for myself, be my own boss, different things like that. But in its finest sense back in, back in Nigeria, it's more of I'm serving my family through the spirit of entrepreneurism. So when I, when I go at business, it's, it's, it's a, at a different uh, approach. It's more of find the problem, solve the problem more than, you know, find the opportunity, uh, take advantage of the opportunity. So that's, that's really when it, when it comes to us um, in our Igbo tribe, we really have the spirit of finding problems and solving problems. And I'm just trying to take the same aspect and the same approach that I've been given over the years and bring it to dentistry and figure out, you know, how can I help solve a few problems for both the patients and for other practitioners one day? Well, first of all, Doc, I hope people appreciate the thread that you just put together. One, on understanding where you're from and diving into that and being so well-educated about it in the history of your, uh, of your family, I think is, is amazing because it's easy to just run in the, in the USA and, you know, and do our thing here, uh, but you're, you're truly connected there. You're truly connected. So I love that you shared that 
um, because it's also figuring out who you are, which I think is so important. So as, as we connect this to dentistry, you, uh, um, and by the way, let's, let's, we'll put a bookmark in entrepreneurism because that, that what you just said is so profound. Like people think it's just to work a couple days a week for yourself. It's like, man, no, it requires so much hard work. 